Hello, and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. We have part two of our week one preview today, coming to you late on a Thursday night after a tragic, tragic Chiefs loss to a uh, a Detroit Lions team that really just, just battled their heart out, Cody, didn't they? 21 to 20, they win. Uh, we're, we're going to get into a... a a preview or a review of this game when we do our week one, you know, synopsis uh, after this whole week is over. So I don't want to, you know, get into a full dive of this game, but Cody, it's real fresh for you right now. You're a Chiefs fan. You have your Mahomes jersey on, your Chiefs hat. You look real cute in your outfit right now. I just, I just want to know if you have any like off the cuff reactions for us before we jump into the uh, NFC home games that we have for you guys for the week one preview here. Yeah, sure. My my first reaction is the defense gave up 14 points, so we can move that Chris down contract uh, contract down a little bit. Not too worried good. about that. And yep. uh, the other thing is, if we cut Kadarius Tony tomorrow morning, I'd be a happier <laughs> Chiefs fan. So I'm not even joking. That is pathetic, and he's already an injury risk as it is. Like that's terrible. That is that is so bad. I don't even want to get reworked up about this because I took 15 minutes to calm down. That is Woo! so bad. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got a stat for these for, for Kadarius Tony for the people before we <laughs> oh, jump I'm into so, it. I'm so here for it. Please share Kadarius Tony had it. three drop passes tonight. One led to a pick six, one led to a fourth down in the red zone, and one was the game winning field goal range, if not a game winning touchdown. Cut him. Like there's no he shouldn't even have been on the field for the third drop anyway. Get him off the team. <sighs> Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was that was that was really. It's pathetic game for my end. It's honestly so, pathetic. Uh, he hasn't been able to practice because of a freaking injury. Comes out and drops three huge passes for the game. Two of them hit him directly in the middle of his hands, like not even bad throws. It's just we were as a podcast, we were already out on Kadarius Tony. Tony could go for ten catches, one hundred and fifty yards next week. I'll tell you to sit him. Do not care. It was a it was a tough look for sure on opening night. Uh, I think Chiefs fans will remember this as the Kadarius Tony game uh, from now until <laughs> the end of time. Um, but uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, you're going to realize that Travis Kelsey is a big part of this offense, and oh, you yeah. guys looked very different without him on the field. So I think it will be important to get him back. Looks like he's going to be just fine. So as long as he is healthy, I think you guys will be okay. But it also, was, one um, more thing about Kadarius Tony. I love the please. end around for minus two yards on on, th- on was it third down or something like that. Love that the play design. Awesome. Why do you have a five hundred million dollar quarterback when you can hand it off to Kadarius Noni? What a, what a great play call! It was you a guys joke. got two Q two or three times in the Terrible. game that I saw that you know there was the one play that like you mentioned it was on your own. 25 it was third and one and you had a tight end take the snap and hand it to tony i guess it was i thought it was i didn't know which wide receiver it was but okay so tony took the snap and lost three or four yards on the play and then you had a different play where uh i think the running back took the snap handed it to mahomes he tossed it to tony or i think it was tony also was, yeah coming across the middle and they gained a yard or two he ended up scoring a touchdown on the drive so it didn't matter but it was also sort of one of those plays where you look up and you're like Hey guys, how about you just snap it to the best quarterback in the world and let him yeah, find somebody in the end zone instead? But um, yeah, yeah. I, that's again, probably the most frustrating get, part for me is just like, why do you pay a man five hundred million dollars to take the ball out of his hand at the biggest moment? Also, again, I'm a a, a huge Andy Reid fan. Why do we have fourth and two twice in the red zone and we kick two field goals 
But third and 20, fourth and 25, we're going to throw bombs going for a first down. Also, if you already are planning on going for it on fourth, why don't you just cut off seven to 13 yards on the third down play? And then you got a fourth and seven or a fourth and 10 to go for it. I just, it was bad all around. Like you said, they got cued on some stupid plays that just don't win you football games. And I, again, I, okay, let's, let's wrap this up on a nice little pretty bow for the people and then we'll move on. Thank God football is back because I have not been this worked up over something as stupid as a game oh, in like six, seven months. So at least it's back. At least I can have I these am, reactions. But I am so happy right now. It's indescribable. I, I cannot – I can't tell you how happy I am. Uh, again, we're going to get into more of a fantasy-based reaction to this game when we fully review week I really wanted to – I wanted to work Cody up before this podcast started because I knew that he would give me some – beautiful beautiful off-the-cuff reactions to this game and he did not disappoint so hey thank you to cody barwick that is an unadulterated chiefs fan 10 minutes after this loss to the detroit lions and i really appreciate you manning up and coming on this podcast and just giving you your <laughs> your unadulterated thoughts to this game it, it really i'm that's, sick that's good that's beautiful content right there but all right okay now anyway right. Full reaction to that game uh, on Monday or Tuesday when we post the week one review and we will get into more of a, you know, straight up fantasy reaction to, you know, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs split, yada, yada, all that stuff. But For sure. We have to get to the rest of the week one preview here. Uh, we did the AFC home games on part one. We also uh, looked over the uh, injury updates and the rest of the news that i had for this week up to date until thursday afternoon so you're gonna have to stay on top of some of those injuries because i only have so much information uh posting on a thursday afternoon so again friday practice reports tell us a lot i don't have those right now make sure you keep your eye on those but uh if you need any uh, afc home game notes or you know start and sit decisions we gave you all those in part one Part two is going to start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is favored by six points at home in this one, over under a solid 45 and a half in this one, my stat of the game. The Minnesota Vikings lead the all-time series between the Bucs and the Vikings 33 to 20, but they did start 18 and six while the Buccaneers were, you know, a dumpster of a franchise. So since then, it's been pretty even. We're going to start on the Tampa Bay side. Baker Mayfield, I... Uh, you know, I don't have a ton of confidence in him, but in a soft matchup, I think he's still a low-end QB2 and super flex. Uh, I don't think we have to go much past that. No one's considering him in any one-quarterback leagues. I think Rashad White, again, a solid matchup here against a Minnesota defense that does not scare you. I would call him a low-end RB2. If you drafted him to be a starter, you're probably putting him in your lineup. Uh, I don't think there's much else to uh, discuss on Rashad White as far as fantasy goes, at least this week, because he's going to have the starter's role to begin with, our big worry with him is that he doesn't look good efficiency-wise to start the season, loses his role as the year goes on. But I think in week one, we can safely say he's going to get the lion's share of the touches. Sean Tucker, the other running back in that room, if you listen to our Thursday Night Football preview and our week two waiver wire, I mentioned that I think he is somebody that is worth stashing if you have an open spot in your bench. Uh, but in week one, we're not starting him. Again, just a guy to keep your eye on in week one and see – how he looks and how many touches he gets behind Rashad White. The wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I don't know if these guys were necessarily drafted to be starters, but I think in this matchup, they are both solid low end wide receiver twos. Minnesota secondary was their weakness last year. 
They did not add a ton in the way of personnel that says that's going to change a ton. They changed defensive coordinators. Uh, so, you know, maybe that makes the difference, but I think these guys can be started pretty confidently. Cody, I have a few names that I'm going to just uh, give you that will give me a, uh, a range on these Tampa Bay guys as far as how you're feeling on them. Let me start with Lockett and uh, let me see here. Tyler Lockett and Christian Kirk rank Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for me with Christian Kirk and Tyler Lockett in mind. Christian Kirk, Tyler Lockett. Okay, so first, if it's any kind of PPR format, I'm going to put Chris Godwin at the top of the list. Um, I just think the role that he has previously played in this Tampa Bay offense would be indicative to him, you know, getting more targets, more receptions than Lockett's a little bit questionable because, you know, if they don't work JSN as much as some people are projecting, I think he's still going to be really good. So I'm going to put him at number two. Um, Mike Evans and Christian Kirk. I, that's actually very close. I think Christian Kirk's probably a little bit of a safer play. Probably doesn't have, you know, a very low end potential. He's probably going to get a couple of opportunities in the game. Whereas Mike Evans, if that deep ball doesn't connect, he may just not, you know, show up on any given week, especially with Baker sure. Mayfield as the quarterback. So my four would be Godwin. Uh, then I'd play Lockett. And then I would go Kirk and then Mike Evans. That's fair. Um, I think personally, I would have Lockett first, especially with JSN kind of on the mend. I know he's going to play this week. I just am not convinced that he is going to play a full allotment of snaps, uh, especially obviously with Lockett and DK in the mix and the fact that they don't run a ton of three wide receiver sets in Seattle. Um, and then who was the oh, Christian Kirk? Yeah. So I would probably play, I think I'd play Evans and Godwin above Kirk, but it would be pretty close. I like all of them. I, I think you can play Evans and Godwin pretty confidently this week. I mean, I, I rank them as low-end wide receiver twos in this doc. I don't think they were drafted to be that. I think they were drafted as more wide receiver threes. So um, if you are you know on the fence about any of your guys in your starting lineup, whether it be a matchup or an injury, you have Christian Watson, like someone else in this podcast, uh, you can go ahead and start Evans or Godwin pretty confidently against what should be a relatively weak Minnesota defense. So uh, I think you can feel okay about them this week, even with Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. No tight ends to speak of on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, as of now anyway. So let's move over to Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, I think he's a fine low-end start. Again, if this is the guy that you pick to be your starter, you're in a deeper league, 12 or 14 teams, he's fine. Go ahead and throw him out there. This Tampa Bay matchup's not going to scare you out of playing him. Um, but uh, not someone that we're necessarily targeting as opposed to some of the other streamers. I think he kind of falls right in line with the Geno Smiths, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott's of the world. On the running back room, Alex Madison, he's a mid to low end RB2. I was the low guy on Madison on this podcast, but even I could admit that early in the season, again, this is a very similar situation to Rashad White, the side of the ball. I think he is going to get the lion's share of the work to start the year, but if his inefficiencies become an issue, as we move forward to week three, week four, week five, I think he will lose more touches to the guys behind him. But in week one, I think he'll be the starter. I think he's going to get 15 to 20 touches, and you should start him as an RB2 if you drafted him that way. How do you feel? Yep, I, I agree with you. Where you took him at, and a lot of these guys that we're going to kind of hit on, similar to Pierce in the last episode, it's just where you drafted him, it's going to be hard to not play them based on their week one uh, slot. Now, I mean, just to, just to kind of clear up just some names from the previous episode, are you still playing Madison over Raheem Mostert this week? 
I would not, but again, okay. I am low on Madison and high on Mostert. So yep. it would be pretty close for me. If you told me you're playing Madison over Mostert, I wouldn't argue with you. And if I was someone that drafted Madison, that means I'm probably higher high on as a player. Yeah. So I'm, you know, again, I, it's like 48 Madison, 52 Mostert to me. And I am someone that is, again, high Mostert, low Madison. So I, I'm not going to argue with you if you start Madison over Mostert. You should probably be in your line. Yep, I, I agree with you there. Just where you drafted them, unless you have one of those weird options like a Moster you picked up later, you're probably yeah. stuck playing them. And I don't think it's it's not necessarily a terrible matchup. And, you know, we'll kind of see how he's worked into this offense and if he can, you know, hold on to that running back one spot. If so, how long can he? So I would go ahead and throw him out there. Yeah, even though Tampa Bay has been historically a tough matchup for running backs the past couple of years, the fact that they are six-point favorites at home – should give you confidence in the fact that they, the, the Vikings are not likely to turn away from the running game early in this game. You know, I mean, Baker Mayfield's not going to put up 21 points before, you know, the second quarter is over. So you, Madison yeah. should see a hefty workload one way or another. The wide receiver room for the Minnesota Vikings is pretty easy for us right now. It's Justin Jefferson in your lineup. And then in, uh, there are some people that are forced to start Jordan Addison right now. I am one of those uh, that would like to avoid that. I think KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison are very similar options, at least in the first couple of weeks of the year. I would be starting a lot of the ancillary options we talked about at wide receiver uh, in part one. Some options that we will get to later, I can kind of uh, you know give you guys a range if you did not listen to part one about where I feel about Addison, but I would be trying to avoid him. Completely agree with you. I, I don't really have too much positive to say about Jordan Addison. Obviously, he was an extreme talent in college, but I mean, so is George, Justin Jefferson and some of these other wide receivers. It just takes a few weeks slow. to get integrated in the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we said on the, on the Thursday night preview, I think Chris Olave was the only receiver, rookie receiver last year out of all the guys who had solid years to like, have a good week one or two. So any rookie wide receiver, I, I like to hold on to until I see something out of calling the breakout wide receiver or rookie wide receiver in week one is very risky. So I'm with yeah, you there. Not- Honestly, if, if I had Osborne and Addison on a roster and I had to put one in the flex, as crazy as it may sound, I'd put Osborne in there for week one, just based I on would historical too. data with rookie I, wide receivers. So. I absolutely would play Osborne over Addison if we're facing that decision for whatever reason. And to illustrate our point that we're making here, we are, again, just getting off of the Lions-Chiefs game. Jameer Gibbs was the 12th overall pick in the draft, and he received nine touches in his first game. I'm not worried about Jameer Gibbs' long-term success as, as pertains to fantasy football at all. If you are or if somebody else is, go trade low for him. Uh, I want I, Again, that's going to be a point we I will make in the uh, the week one review that we will get to on Monday or Tuesday. But uh, same different, same, it's just going to be the same thing for Addison. He will play probably less than you expect coming off of draft season where he was drafted a little higher than, you know, his production will reflect early on in the year. But uh, again, this is a guy you probably want to replace week one, but will get better as the season goes on. Tight end room for Minnesota. If you drafted TJ Hawkinson, uh, he is in your lineup. No reason to set him here. The Titans at the Saints is our next game here. The Saints are favored by a cool three points at home over under a solid 41 points. The Titans lead the all-time series between the Saints 9-6-1. and one. They are 5-2 and two as the Titans as well. So the rest of those games came as the Houston Oilers. On the Tennessee side, I think Brian Tannehill finds himself in the low-end QB2 category. Better than, you know, the uh, the first-year quarterbacks making their first career start and the Brock Purdy's, the uh, 
Mac Jones is of the world, but uh, again, just low end QB two in super flex. No, not much more there for Tannehill. Derrick Henry is in your lineup, even though this is a, uh, a bit of a tough matchup against the New Orleans defense that has, again, the last couple of years been pretty tough against the run. Wide receiver room, I think, is also a pretty easy call from a fantasy perspective. DeAndre Hopkins, if you drafted him to be your wide receiver too, is most likely in your lineup, even though uh, Marshawn Lattimore should follow him around a lot of the day. Uh, not going to scare me off of Hopkins if he's your wide receiver too. He'll get plenty of targets. be fine. Traylon Burks, stash and hold. I just want to see how this Tennessee offense looks with these two in the fold. I want to see how pass heavy they are. If they are, you know, continuing with their extreme run heavy tendencies, then Burks could be a guy that's going to get three or four targets a game and could really disappoint on a week to week basis. Do you have any, uh, you know, differing opinions on either the running backs or wide receivers in Tennessee? No, I really don't. I wish I had more to bring to the table here, but I think this one's pretty cut and dry. It's pretty straight. Play Hopkins yeah. and you just hold on to Burks and see what, see what this offense looks like through week one. Yeah. Same with Oconquo. Uh, he's, again, a, a slash candidate in the Kincaid-Laporta category. Laporta actually looked pretty good tonight, got five uh, five targets for the Lions. But uh, I think Oconquo, you just want to see how the third option in an offense that does not project to throw the ball very much looks. Uh, if they you know feature him, that means that they really think he is a big part of this offense and respect his talent. If not, it means that Tennessee might just be kind of leaning into their same old tendencies where – you know, they want to control the clock and let Derrick Henry control the game. So I am not going to risk my my bacon on Oconquo in week one. On the Saints side, I think Derek Carr is a much more confident QB2 play in a super flex league. I think he's actually an okay streamer in one QB leagues as well. If you are in a situation where, oh man, I'm not even sure. If you have a really tough matchup for your QB1, I'm trying to think of a name right now that I would legitimately play Derek Carr over that, you know, is even a name that's considered a top 12 quarterback. Uh, I mean, I don't think this guy's considered a top 12 quarterback, but he was definitely drafted in a lot of my leagues and has the Bills week one. Would you play Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr? That's a perfect, perfect example, Cody. Thank you so much. Derek Carr, I would play over Aaron Rodgers, I probably would not drop a bench piece to go pick up Aaron Rodgers, but if you are in a super deep league and you have a bench piece that you are not very attached to, go ahead and play Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers because I would certainly prefer him uh, in this specific matchup. Tennessee is one of those defenses, at least last year, that was a uh, pass funnel. They have a very stout front seven, but a, uh, you know, a lacking secondary, so they kind of force teams to put it in the air. And uh, I feel like New Orleans giving that big contract to Carr, they'd probably like to get him off to a good start. Uh, you know, a lot of these times, you know, I don't love to follow the narrative. I don't like to follow the narrative in these cases a lot of the time. But in this case, I feel like they might be prone to give Carr a couple touchdowns around the goal line where they might normally give it to Jamal Williams or whoever the running back is in that situation. So, yeah, um, I think Carr is a solid stream. In the running back room, we had a pretty extensive conversation about Jamal Williams in part one. So I don't want to belabor this point necessarily, but Cody, just give me a real quick list out of these guys. I'm going to give you uh, between Jamal Williams and the rest Denver running backs, that being Javante Williams and Samaje P Ryan, Khalil Herbert and the Washington running backs uh, that being Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, where would Jamal Williams fall in that hierarchy? Yeah, so when it comes to Jamal Williams, at least for these first few games without uh, Alvin Kamara, I, I like him as a volume play. Obviously, if he gets the goal line work like he was in Detroit, you know, he may actually have a decent ceiling for you as a flex player or running back too. So uh, with that being said, I think 
going into week one, again, this Tennessee rush defense was really good last year, so that doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Tough again, matchup. don't want to – don't want to ride the narratives, but I kind of like what you said about Derek Carr. It would make sense for New Orleans to get, you know, get his feet wet, get him, you know, a nice home W where he throws two or three touchdowns. I, I, that's a really good narrative to run with. Um, but with that being said, I think the Washington guys just have such an easy matchup. You kind of put me onto that in the first part. So yeah, I did a little bit. Them. Yeah, I did a little bit more looking into it because I was kind of down on them in the first part during the Chiefs game, and I, I actually think I'd probably played. Oh, man, that's but so tough. Gibson I, and Robinson? Yeah, see, I, I want to say yes, because I think they're both going to have their value in that offense against a rough team. But week one is so tough to just say that about because the Cardinals the Cardinals players don't necessarily know how bad they are yet. That's a narrative you hear a lot in week one is you always have that weird upset, like when the Jaguars upset the Colts week one and then went on to lose 15 straight games a couple of years ago. So you never know when something like that can just kind of happen out of nowhere. But going into it, I do think I like both the Washington guys a little bit more. Like I said, Nick kind of talked them up in the first episode. Um, I think I think I'd go Jay Willie over the Denver guys because even though they don't have the hardest matchup against the Raiders, I do think that they are you know they are going to be split. So I think I'll just take the volume there. Man, see, I'm just contradicting myself. This is a tough group to go against because he fits somewhere in here, but I don't really know how to separate these guys yet when it comes to the running. That's back our job, group, Cody. So. I know it's a hard job. Yeah. I mean, so I play, I play the Washington guys over Jay Willie. I play Jay Willie over the Broncos guys. And then Herbert falls somewhere right in the middle there. Uh, They play the Packers. Above or below Jay Willie. I'm going to put him above uh, Jay Williams this week. I think I, I, but I'm a her, I like Herbert quite a bit. Um, Yeah. I haven't been the biggest guy on him all for the past couple of years while he was a backup, but just having that number one role. Um, I haven't really heard anything about this name in the past couple of weeks since his injury, but is Kendra Miller shooting up on Sunday? Do you know? He's been really back and forth. I think he might suit up at this point, uh, but I would not expect him to be incredibly involved. He's a rookie. He has not gotten a lot of practice in the last few weeks. Even if they deem him healthy enough to play, I feel like he's mostly going to be just a, you know, Break class and break glass in case of emergency type of player instead of someone that they are like legitimately working into their offense because again this is a rookie third round pick that has not seen the practice field very much in the course of training camp because of a litany of injuries uh, I would expect Jamal Williams to really dominate this backfield and for that reason I would probably take Jay Willie over every single one of the options we just talked about except Brian Robinson again if you listen to part one. I already illustrated the fact that I love the way this sets up for Brian Robinson in week one against an Arizona Cardinals team that uh, is projected to be the worst in the NFL. The commanders have a seven point, you know, have a seven point. uh, They are seven point favorites at home in that game. Brian Robinson should get get a lot of work in the second half. Uh, I think Jamal Williams will have a tough matchup here, but will get a lot of work, has a really good chance to score a touchdown, probably better than any one of these other guys. And for that reason, yeah. I will take Williams in week one before we know how most of those other situations are going to work out. But yeah. I get your trepidation. I think Williams versus Herbert is a perfect example of what we've been talking about all offseason. Yeah. And that is it comes down to your roster construction and the team that you are playing against. You need a running back to go for 20 plus points. You play Herbert. If you need a running back that is going to get you at least eight to 10, you play Williams. I think that's kind of how it comes down to Um I don't want to spend too much time on the Saints here, so we're going to move to the wide receiver room. Uh, Chris Olave, you're playing, and Michael Thomas, 
again, don't want to spend too much time on the Saints, but I, I think this is a pretty important conversation because I think he is somebody that finds himself right in the flex mix where a lot of people probably are wondering, you know, where do I put this guy in my lineup as opposed to some of these other options I drafted in the seventh to ninth round? John, uh, Jamal Williams or Michael Thomas, Cody, who would you play in a full PBR? Jamal Williams, with, without okay. a doubt in my mind. I, so I think the rest of the Jamal guys Williams. you have listed are probably all getting played over Michael Thomas for me. Now okay. that's, in my opinion, I just, I like we saw Michael Thomas be good for fantasy last year, but he also had three touchdowns in two weeks. If yep. you take away his touchdowns from last year, he's a very, very low end, like wide receiver three. So just in my opinion, I'm not going to run the risk of Michael Thomas. Now, if you do think that, you know, it is a softer matchup against Tennessee, if you think Derek Carr can come out and have a big first game with the Saints, Michael, like that's the narrative you have to have in your mind to play Michael Thomas. I just, I don't necessarily have that full narrative and I just don't trust the player on my fantasy team. So uh, both the Washington guys, Brandon Cooks, and well, maybe not Terry McLaurin because I don't think that the turf toe is completely healed up and that's a huge re-injury risk. So Jahan Dotson, Jay Willie, Brandon Cooks over Michael Thomas. And then for me, Terry McLaurin, unless he's just an absolute, I have to play. I don't have anyone else. He's just a much must bench for me this week because of his turf toe. Yeah. Especially against the team and the Arizona Cardinals, they should handle pretty easily. Again, we'll get to that game later. So I don't want to go too yeah. far into it, but uh, I, I really wanted to get your opinion on Michael Thomas because I don't know how I feel about him. This is one of those guys. I just do not know how to rank even going into draft season. Uh, it's yeah. not one of those guys I was saying is going to be a complete bust because I know that, you know, he is a great player, has the potential to be a relevant fantasy option, especially in the ninth or 10th round. I can understand someone arguing for drafting him, but it's also just somebody that when he was on the board, I never felt, oh, I need to have this guy. So um, I, I could really go either way there. And I, I probably agree with you. I am on wait and see mode with Michael Thomas. Again, I've said that yeah. a lot in this week one uh, between the part one and part two previews. But I think he is on the you know farther side of that, where I really want to see him on the field because he's played how many, you know, eight games the last three years. He's been hurt so much that you really just want to see what type of player he is before you trust him in your lineup. I think there yeah. are better options for you, uh, especially because Thomas probably was not drafted to be a starter in most leagues in the tight end room. Juwan Johnson and Taysom Hill are both streamers moving forward. If you feel real risky, Taysom Hill, I think, is actually the backup running back for the Saints right now if Kendry Miller doesn't play. So that could be an interesting option if you are really looking for a high upside, you know, guy that can get into the end zone twice type of a tight end stream if you, you know, have Kittle or something and you don't have anybody else to play. But I think I would lead Juwan Johnson, uh, again, only in an injury situation. This is probably not somebody you drafted to be your starter, but somebody that we will consider for streams moving forward. Uh, do you have anything else on Saints-Titans? No, I just wanted to point out that um, fantasy pros must also just love this matchup for Juwan Johnson because I think he is ranked as their seventh or eighth best tight end play of really? the week. Yeah, like I was looking at it, and I was very, very, very surprised how high they had him. That is wild. Is either fantasy pros or the fantasy footballers. Either one of those two had him ranked extremely high, but fantasy pros is sticking out in my head. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, maybe there's something they're seeing that I am not, but I think he falls into the Gerald Everett. I, uh, I agree with Sam you, Laporta yeah. from earlier in the night type of category where uh, if you have to play him, uh, you know, if he's the best option on your wire and you have Andrews or Kittle, 
totally fine, but not somebody I'm necessarily targeting. All right. Uh, Let's move to the Panthers and the Falcons. Panthers visit Atlanta this weekend. Atlanta, three and a half point favorites at home. The over under a disgusting 39 and a half points. The Falcons lead the all-time series here, 35 to 21 over the Panthers. I was a little surprised by that. I feel like these teams have been somewhat similar quality since the Panthers have entered the NFL, but the Falcons have really dominated this series. They even started two and four and have gone 33 and 17 cents. I thought this stat was maybe my favorite one that I saw on the day. Uh, number one overall picks are 0-13-1 and straight up since 2003 in their first career start. That makes sense. First overall picks going to most of the time, the worst team in the NFL or somebody that traded up to number one, usually not, you know, great teams the year before, but the interesting part comes when we look at the, against the spread number, those same number one overall picks are one in 13 against the spread since that time, uh, you know, one in 13 as quarterbacks. So there's obviously, there's only 14 of them since 03. That's why the number is not as big as the difference between 2023 and 2003, but Kind of wild to think uh, that, you know, we expect these guys to kind of struggle as they come into the NFL, but they usually struggle even more than we expect. So I think that's something to kind of keep in mind here. We'll start on the Carolina side. I'm not starting Bryce Young in his first career NFL start, even in two QB leagues. Again, that 39 and a half over under is really telling you how Vegas feels about uh, this game and Bryce Young's first start in general. Miles Sanders, though. He is a solid RB2. You should get a ton of work in a matchup that doesn't completely scare you against the Falcons. In the room, I would like to have more confidence here, but there's a lot of injuries that are complicating things. Thielen is limited. DJ Chark, probably not going to play. Jonathan Mingo, a rookie himself, uh, not necessarily going to recommend him in week one. Maybe if you want to throw him in a DFS lineup, that's fine. But uh, is there anybody from the pass catching side of things uh, from the Panthers that you would trust in week one or even you know recommend in a desperate situation yeah the only one would be Adam Thielen and you're you're kind of just hoping he becomes a safety blanket for Bryce Young and just ends up with like six or seven catches for whatever the yardage is and then um you know if he gets in the end zone then it's a really good week for him so Adam Thielen would be the only one that I would throw out there for you guys DJ Chark's probably not playing and a rookie quarterback with those stats backing him up to a rookie wide receiver that we just were kind of crapping on rookie wide receivers their first couple of weeks doesn't really vote a lot of confidence for me. So worst case, Adam Thielen, but right there with you. Hopefully you drafted well enough to where you're not having to worry about plugging in Adam Thielen this week. Yeah, I think we're trying to avoid all Panthers pass catchers. Hayden Hurst, another guy that we want to throw into the tight end streaming bucket. Keep an eye on him. I think he could be relevant at some point this year. Tight ends often become safety blankets for first-year quarterbacks. So uh, just keep an eye on him, but we're not starting week one. On the Atlanta side, it's going to be a pretty uh, similar situation. We're not starting Desmond Ritter. We are starting Bijan Robinson. Tyler Algier, monitor his usage, but you're not starting in week one. Drake and Kyle Pitts how comfortable are we rolling them out week one uh, with Desmond Ritter as their quarterback with Pitts being a tight end he's probably in your lineup maybe a little uncomfortable but I don't see you having necessarily a better option to pivot to London may be a more interesting conversation Uh, how do you feel about these guys yeah I I actually was looking around at some different things and there's been multiple Atlanta beat reporters that have come out with negative remarks on Kyle Pitts so as a guy who spent my first round pick in our uh, mini dynasty league on him that is not a uh, vote of confidence I was wanting to get 
Uh, obviously, like you said, if you drafted him as a tight end, you're not going to drop him or a valuable, you know, bench piece to go stream somebody. So no he's way. in your lineup. Drake London, um, he kind of fits Kyle Pitts' mold to me, like we talked about multiple times during the offseason. So I don't really have that much confidence in him as well. Um, I would probably, I'd probably have him more towards a wide receiver three. I, I mean, I can't list out 24 other wide receivers. I'd like off the top of my head, let but me, let I'll me give you through the rankings. Yeah. Let go me give you a couple names. guys. Okay. So here, let me give you a couple guys and go ahead and put London in a list for me between these, uh, between these names. We'll go with Brandon Ayuk, London or Ayuk real quick. Uh, with Kittle, I would take the shot on London without Kittle. I would just go Brandon Ayuk. How about Hopkins from the previous game? Yeah, I would just go Hopkins the entire way. I mean, Tannehill's proven to be a solid quarterback in the NFL, and Hopkins was an elite wide receiver. Um, I think Drake London can get there one day, but I don't think Desmond Ritter can get to that level of Ryan Tannehill. How about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? Mm, Chris Godwin for sure. I think also Mike Evans for sure. I just like that matchup quite a bit. And yeah, I can't believe I'm saying that I like Baker Mayfield over a guy, but I think I trust Baker Mayfield against Minnesota a little bit more than uh, Desmond Ritter. So I, I would yeah. go with the, with the Tampa Bay guys there. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to be super negative on Drake London. He's a mega talent. I mean, it was like the seventh overall pick, first wide receiver drafted in that amazing wide receiver draft from a year ago. So not trying to poo-poo his long-term value, but just with Desmond Ritter, I need to see a certain level of quarterback play to really trust his pass-catching options. Honestly, I'm really worried about Kyle Pitts now that the season is here and I remember what football looks like because there's a chance that Desmond Ritter just does not look good again and Kyle Pitts was a wasted first-round pick just based on the quarterback play. So uh, I am I have red flags around Atlanta for sure, but we'll just have to see how that offense ends up playing. Maybe Bijan unlocks a whole new element that they didn't have last year and creates some more open opportunities for these receivers, maybe some easier throws, something like that, but for now, he's kind of just a hold and wait until I see something out of Ritter. Yeah, I think London's one of those guys that might rank a decent amount higher in weeks to follow than he does this week because we just don't know Ritter's tendencies or if he's going to look like anything close to a you know NFL-caliber quarterback. They obviously have the safety blanket in Taylor Heineke that is going to be a guy that's going to get the job done, maybe not to the extent you love from a fantasy perspective, but someone that's going to adequately get the ball to guys like London and Pitts moving forward if Ritter just – you know, completely falls on his face in the first couple of weeks here for Atlanta. So uh, this is another guy I would really prefer to wait and see on. But uh, if you got to play him, I understand this is a guy you're probably spending a fifth or sixth round pick on. So you may not have a better option. I agree with Cody, though. I think a lot of these other guys we've talked about, whether it be, uh, you know, Jahan Dotson, whether it be Deontay Johnson, whether it be Cortland Sutton, I think I'd play all of those guys over Drake London in week one. You know, moving on to the Cardinals and the Commanders, maybe the grossest game from a fantasy perspective that we have on the slate so far here. Washington, a seven-point favorite at home, over under 38. That leaves a cool 15 implied points for the Arizona Cardinals in this one. Not a lot of fantasy production to go around. The Commanders' all-time record versus the Cardinals, a very solid 77-47-2. and two. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of shows you where this Arizona Cardinals franchise has been historically, but starting on the Arizona side, uh, I don't think anyone, even Josh Dobbs's mom that plays fantasy is going to start him in their lineups this week. James Connor, 
he's in the RB two range. This was kind of his profile all uh, all off season long. You know, he was a guy that was volume over quality, and he is going to get that in spades. I feel like I don't think many matchups are really going to scare you off James Conner because he's going to get his five or six targets. He's going to get his 15 or 16 carries. They might not be very efficient, but they'll have a decent shot at a touchdown and he's going to get a lot of work every week until, you know, he gets hurt. Um, Marquise Brown, I think we're avoiding because of a hamstring injury, especially, and because of Josh Jobs at quarterback, who knows what to expect, but I have a really, really hard time recommending any of the pass catchers in Arizona because of both the quarterback uncertainty and the Brown injury. Anything else on Arizona, I feel like they're pretty easy. I think it's Connor and uh, pretty much no one else. Yeah, I mean, it does suck because both Connor and Hollywood Brown were two guys I recommended drafting quite a bit in the offseason when it was projecting to be um, Cole McCoy as the quarterback. Not that Cole McCoy is a great quarterback by any means, but I just we saw last year he was able to get the ball to to their playmakers. So. Not saying Josh Dobbs can't do that, but it just it, the hamstring issue compared came with Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I just I'm out on that right now. Um, I and also the Arizona Cardinals said they're going to reevaluate their quarterback situation on a week to week basis. So if if Josh Dobbs is already on that short of a string, why'd you bring him in? Just play the rookie, let him lose all the games, and go get Caleb Williams. Like, yeah. or wait till Kyler. I don't know. I just I. I don't, I don't think there was any reason to bring Dobbs in except for just to make it more complicated in the quarterback room and to give your fantasy players less value. <laughs> yeah, as it pertains to Marquise Brown, I'll play Drake London over him. I'll play Michael Pittman over him. I'll play Jordan Addison over him. I'll play Zay Flowers over him. I, I think he is really, really far down the totem pole, even on the guys that we are not recommending coming into week one. So there is not many situations in which I would be excited to play Marquise Brown. Uh, Arizona is pretty easy. I think, uh, James Conner is a shaky RB two play and that's about it yep. on the Washington side. I think Sam Howell is a solid QB two. nothing more than that though. I'm not going to recommend him as a streamer in a one quarterback league quite yet because again, uh, this is his first career start, second career start, excuse me, but, uh, it's very, very early into the career of Sam Howell. We don't know what to expect. This is just a, basically a rookie quarterback that could, you know, lay a dud just because that's what young quarterbacks do. The running backs, I think we like quite a bit this week, especially Brian Robinson on my end. I'd call him a low-end RB2. This is a matchup which uh, should lead to a lot of work for the you know, presumed running downs guy in Brian Robinson. Even Antonio Gibson should get his fair share of carries and will be involved in the passing game as well. So I think you could do worse than both of these options. Uh, how do you feel about the Washington running backs? Yeah, like I said, you kind of talked him up a little bit when we were comparing them some comparing them to some other guys in part one. I think I you definitely got me a little higher on both of them as well. I am a little bit more hesitant on Brian Robinson, just the overall player himself. I don't think he's like that overly talented as a running back, but in this situation, you you can't help yourself from playing him. I mean, there's a chance that they're up, you know, twenty points, twenty one points as the commanders at some point this game. And they are just going to be running Brian Robinson as much as possible. So you got to play him. I just, I don't have a huge level of confidence for him on a season long basis, but if you drafted him, this is the perfect week one matchup to let him loose and see what he can do. Yeah. I think you might want to try to sell high on Brian Robinson. If he yeah, has there the you huge go. week one that we are expecting, because like Cody said, uh, I think Brian Robinson is a solid player, but maybe not one that has the fantasy ceiling that, you would look for for someone that is going to help you win your league or you know separate yourself from the rest of your league mates so if he goes 
100 yards and a touchdown, I think this is somebody that we could uh, maybe recommend selling in week two. Uh, from the wide receiver room, we have, again, belabored these guys pretty heavily at this point. Go back to part one if you really want to listen to a lot of our conversation about Dotson. I think we like Dotson quite a bit this week because he should play the role of wide receiver one in Washington. McLaurin, we're really trying to avoid because we don't know what to expect from a snap share standpoint and just an overall skill standpoint coming off that tough turf toe injury that is a really tough injury from wide receivers to come back from. So. I think I'd play McLaurin over Marquise Brown on the other side, but that's probably the only guy I'd recommend him over that we've talked about so far. Dotson, I'd throw him into the uh, the wide receiver two range. I'm pretty confident with him this week. Yeah, I from what we saw from the preseason, it looks like Sam Howell and Jahan Dotson have a really solid connection. And Terry McLaurin has a really high risk of not necessarily re-injury, but just re-aggravating the turf toe, which just kind of takes him out of consideration uh, for me, for instance, just to put my money where my mouth is for with Terry McLaurin, I have him in our mini dynasty league and I have Jefferson and Godwin in my wide receiver spots and then both Miles Sanders and Khalil Herbert in my flex. So he is below all those guys for sure. And then, I mean, even if I had to go one more deep, it would probably have to be McLaurin, but it would be a tough decision between Bateman and McLaurin just going for upside again it's and it's not anything with McLaurin the player or his role in this offense it is just super risky with re-aggravating that injury this could be a first quarter first drive McLaurin scores you zero points because he re-aggravates the turf toe yeah it could also be a game where he goes out there catches seven passes for 100 yards and a touchdown and you look foolish for putting him on your bench but you just got to do it because you can't you can't risk the zero that uh my boy Sky Moore gave you tonight pretty much so completely (laughs) yeah I uh that was very well said, Cody. I appreciate you bringing the Chief into that. But uh, yeah. how about you go ahead and kick off our next game? Perfect. Absolutely. We got the Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle, five-and-a-half-point favorites over under set at 46-and-a-half. Nick's stat of the game. We have the Seahawks lead the all-time series 27-23. to Seahawks went 16-2 and between 05 and 13. That was my prime time as a Rams fan, baby. I know all of those losses. Without a doubt, especially the one oh, in Russell yeah. Russell Wilson's rookie season when the Rams finished as the same record as the uh, Seattle Seahawks, but missed out was on the that, playoffs because they lost the last game. So was that the game that Golden Tate was waving at the safety when he beat him on the go route and then got yep. the yeah yeah okay I, I remember yep. that game pretty well. Yep, absolutely. That was that was in the middle of my prime St. Louis Rams <laughs> fandom, man. I I remember that like it was yesterday. You went through some good uh, years. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. That, that's why I'm okay with being called a bandwagon now. Okay, for basically my entire life, except for when I was a baby ears. and didn't know football, I literally just got shit on for being a Rams fan constantly. <laughs> so I will take the bandwagon tag all day long. Uh, let's start here on the Rams side as they are the away team. Let's start with Matthew Stafford. I think he has a QB2 option. Uh, it's probably hard to pivot from him at this point if you're in a super flex or two QB league. But I will say that without Cup, my confidence is very low with him. So if there is a pivot option, probably not. But if there's a Sam Howell, there's a Derek Carr, any of these guys somehow slip to the waivers, I'd play them over Stafford. But he's probably locked into a lot of people's QB2 slots. Uh, Cam Akers, he's an RB2 option. Again, he's kind of in that same uh, uh, Damian Pierce and – was Alexander Madison that we talked about earlier. You probably drafted him to play him, and you know this matchup isn't great, but you're you're probably stuck playing him unless you got like a Raheem Mostert 
or someone like that. Uh, I feel like we know where you are on Mostert. Would you play Cam Akers or Jamal Williams? Oh, that's close. I'll take Akers for the upside and uh, the yeah. fact that he is probably you know in the same boat as Williams where they're both going to get a lot of work. I think Akers is a slightly better player and has a slightly better matchup, so I'll take Akers. But uh, I could I could be talked into the other way around, but uh, they're, they're, they're right in the same range. Yep, I, I agree with you there. Uh, wide receiver room here. I do want to throw out the name Puka Nakua. As again, we mentioned him on the Thursday Night Football preview in our Beat the Wire segment. Don't want to beat the beat a dead horse there, but uh, maybe worth adding before the weekend. Van Jefferson is probably the only fantasy-relevant wide receiver you're looking at for the Rams. Um, I would consider him probably a deeper league flex option. Um, you know, we kind of know what he is, probably a, you know, a higher floor as the wide receiver one, but just an overall low ceiling. If he gets in the end zone, you're going to be pretty happy with his week. If he doesn't, you're probably going to be mildly disappointed. So I, I just feel like we know what Van Jefferson is. Do you have any more confidence in him or any less than I do? No, I, I think uh, it would, I'd be pretty hard pressed to throw him in the lineup. I'd probably throw him in over Terry McLaurin or Marquise Brown. But again, those were guys we were really, really low on, um, you know, to this point. So I, I would be pretty, pretty hard pressed to play Van Jefferson in this matchup. For sure. And then we have Tyler Higby at the tight end position. He is obviously an option with no cup, probably more likely in any kind of PPR format, but I think we mentioned this in the first part. We are not pivoting away from a solid drafted option like a David Njoku, Pat Fryermuth, Evan Ingram, and we aren't going to drop a valuable bench piece for him. So with that being the case, if your roster is already set with one of those guys and you don't have anyone you're willing to move off of, that's fine. Just let it ride. If you can get Higby on the bottom of your bench without getting up a valuable asset, I think you can have a solid week one, especially with no Cooper Cup. Yeah, in any format that rewards catches, this is the best pivot from a George Kittle or Mark Andrews uh, on Sunday. So if you have either one of those guys and you're worried about their injuries, uh, go ahead and pick up Tyler Higby. He's out there. Gerald Everett is number two. Uh, but yeah, Higby's the best pivot of the week because of the great matchup and the fact that Cup is not in. He could be, uh, again, a guy that you can rely on for a couple weeks if you need to. But uh, moving forward, not the guy that has the highest upside and not someone I'm necessarily recommending season long. I think we kind of know what Tyler Higby is point in his career yep absolutely let's jump over to seattle real quick uh honestly pretty easy talking points here we got quarterback geno smith he's a good option the 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 rams defense doesn't scare me they're at home my only concern for geno smith is they get up quick and run the ball out but even if that's the case he probably has a couple touchdowns and doesn't dodge you so uh i i like geno quite a bit this week in the matchup with the rams kenneth walker gotta play him most likely based on where you drafted him Charbonnet does post a season-long threat, but I'm not extremely worried for week one. Charbonnet is just another guy to add to your list of double checks. Look at his snap count and see how many opportunities he got as a rookie. Um, I, like Nick said, Jameer Gibbs of what had nine total opportunities, 10, was it something nine. like that? It was nine, nine total, seven carries, two targets. But yeah, again, that will go up as the year goes on. Same with Charbonnet. He's going to yeah. come out, get three carries, maybe a target, and you're going to say, oh, why did we even consider drafting this guy? But then... Again, week five, week six, week seven, he's going to continue to get more opportunities for rookies. For sure. Wide receiver room is pretty easy. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are in your starting lineups. JSN is still going to be a wait and see for me. Like we've already point, – I'm not going to keep beating this dead horse. He's a rookie yeah, wide receiver. You just got to see it before it happens. And yeah, then Noah Kenneth Fam- Walker, before we move off of that, yep. Kenneth Walker actually was added to the injury report with the same groin injury that he had uh, a couple weeks ago. 
Not sure yet if this is, you know, a re-aggravation or if this is just a maintenance day for him. Uh, he was still limited in practice, so he didn't miss completely on Thursday, but definitely keep an eye on him if you're a Kenneth Walker owner. Myself included, I uh, was very disappointed to hear that news, but I needed to pass it along to the people. So he was listed yep. as questionable. So definitely keep an eye on him. But uh, the fact that he was still limited in practice makes me think it was probably a maintenance day. The, the Friday practice report should tell us a lot. Yep. Double check that Friday practice report. If, uh, I mean, worst case scenario, if something happens, Walker's unavailable or limited is Charbonnet or is it DJ Dallas who's still in Seattle? DJ Dallas is listed as two. So yeah, th- that being the case, I'm not starting anybody from the Seattle running back Fair enough. if Walker's yeah. out. Just don't know what to expect. Yep. Good, good call there, actually. Uh, tight end, Noah Fant, that, that's a no-go. I mean, keep him on your radar in case, you know, this is the year six or seven breakout for Fant, but don't think that that's going to happen. Nope. All righty. Let's move over. Green Bay at Chicago. Is this Sunday night football? This is 325. Sunday night football is the next one. That's Dallas and uh, the Giants. Do we, have, do we have no Monday night football this week? That was the Bills and the Jets. We did that oh, oh, my goodness. What an idiot. <laughs> Oh, man, that is a bad look there. That's totally. a Chiefs fan brain bring, being fried after witnessing the, the debacle that happened a couple hours ago. So give yeah, a great, guys and gals. Yeah, so as a reminder, in case you didn't know, like me, apparently, we have switched up our format this year. We're going AFC in part one, NFC home games in part two. Obviously, Bills and Jets are on Monday night, which is where I got confused. Okay, yeah. let's go. Green Bay at Chicago. Chicago is favored by a point at home. Over under a relatively lacking 42, yeah. but no surprise when you look at, you know, the kind of changes these teams have made, at least on the, on the Packers yeah. side of where we will start. We got Jordan Love. I think he can be played in two QB leagues. It's definitely a little bit risky knowing that we have not seen him, but this is a bad defense. It gives me hope that he can have a good week. Obviously, we want to see what happens with those wide receivers as well. If, you know, Watson's out and Dubs is limited or questionable going in. Maybe scares me a little bit more on love, but the very solid matchup makes me excited for his first start or his first start as the official starter. Yeah, solid two QB play. Don't have much more to add. Uh, definitely, you know, slightly less interested if Watson and or Dobbs miss, but uh, I think he is still to be played above the uh, first year rookies and the other guys we have said to him. Absolutely. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I think I'm okay with playing both of these guys in this matchup. Obviously, I think I'm going Jones for sure. Then I got a couple names here, a couple flex considerations this week for A.J. Dillon. I'm going to throw at you. First one, A.J. Dillon or Dalvin Cook against the Bills? I'll take Dillon uh, because of the matchup against a soft Chicago defense. And again, somebody I can uh, – I know exactly what to expect here. He's going to get 10 of the touches. He's going to be playing against the weak defense. And I believe he will definitely get the goal line carries as well. So uh, I have more confidence in A.J. Dillon's role. I'll take him over Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I, I before we get into these next two names, it's kind of funny because a lot of people were super low on A.J. Dillon uh, just based off his past two years. I guess they just expected him to – kind of come in and be a little bit more involved than he has been. A.J. Dillon might have a sneaky breakout year this year. He could. I mean, Aaron Jones is getting older. Guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's the kind of guy that, that I have not drafted, and I think he may – I may look back and regret not drafting him. I think he could be really good. Uh, A.J. Dillon or Samaj P. Ryan as the 
considered backup running back against the Raiders. That's really, really close. I find these guys very similar, both in role and situation here. Um, I'll take Dylan again, just because I know what to expect because we've seen this offense uh, from the year prior, but I wouldn't blame you for going P Ryan. It's, it's very close. Absolutely. And then Dylan or Nico Collins in a flex consideration. Definitely give me Dylan over Collins. Uh, tough matchup for Collins. And again, first year quarterback, not know, don't, don't, know, don't know what to expect exactly with Houston. For sure. Let's go into the wide receiver room. Uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are going to be the two that we highlight here. Obviously, Jaden Reed is a rookie. So, did I say it wrong? No, no, no. I was just oh. I'm upset about oh, okay. Christian Watson's injury. I, <laughs> no, that's fair. I I always get mixed up if it's Dobbs or Dubs. I think it's Dobbs. Is that right? I think it's Dobbs, yeah. Okay. Okay. That's why I was like, you did this, and I was like, oh, man, did I say it no, wrong? <laughs> no, I, it was because of Watson's hamstring. It, it was just yeah. disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Nick's first-round pick, Christian Watson, dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue. Um, I'm probably planning on a pivot just because it happened now just to go – three days before game time. Yeah. Uh, we've obviously, you know, with how low we are with other hamstring injuries, it's only fair for Watson to be in there. And then I think Dobbs does get a, does get a little bit of a bump up, even if Watson ends up playing just because of his injury. Obviously, Dobbs is dealing with an injury of his own, but at least he practiced today, I think, in a limited fashion. So that bumps him up a little bit for me uh, in that regard. What do you feel about these Green Bay wide receivers? Yeah, I'm really trying to pivot off Watson. If he plays, I'd call him a high-end wide receiver three just because of his upside. But I really hope the Packers just sit him down and, and don't risk uh, re-aggravating that hamstring. Dobbs kind of put him in the same boat. This has been a two-week injury. Uh, doesn't seem like he's 100% yet. If he plays because he's the only guy there, I'd call him a high-end wide receiver three and he'd get a bump up in full PBR. But I do not want to trust either one of these guys. Fair enough. And then tight end, Luke Musgrave, a wait and see, a rookie tight end, yep. so not too much hope for the current year, but nope. he's definitely a guy to keep your eye out looking forward for fantasy football. On the Chicago side, you are playing Justin Fields. Um, obviously, Nick in the Dynasty League, and I drafted Justin Fields in every single league that he was available to me in. I think he is a league-winning quarterback, even being drafted where he was this year. So we are, this is a pro-Justin Fields podcast. Eric, you're going to love hearing this part of it every single week. So buckle up. Uh, running backs, we got Khalil Herbert. Uh, for me, he is not a must-start, but depending on your league format and situation, you're probably playing him if you drafted him. He was definitely a guy rising up draft boards quite a bit after his preseason. And then we have Roshan Johnson and Deontay Foreman. Again, feel pretty good about Herbert, but I will be keeping a close eye on both Foreman and Johnson to see how they are involved in this offense. If this turns into any kind of a committee, which it could easily become a committee if Herbert does not uh, perform well, I'm going to be quickly out on all three of these guys, especially with Justin Fields running threat. Yeah, Herbert's the start right now. Uh, I would like to wait and see, but I think Herbert is in a position where you can start him if you don't have better options. Johnson and Foreman are both stash candidates. Not much more to add there. I think uh, it's pretty cut and dry right now. Herbert's your start. If you need to make it, Johnson and Foreman are stashes. Absolutely. Wide receiver room is pretty easy as well. You're playing DJ Moore. I don't think I'm playing anybody else. I don't really love the other options against this. Not an extremely Stashed tough matchup, but a tougher. Yeah, yeah. Mark Mooney should be rostered. Double check to make sure he's not out there. Uh, and then tight end, Cole Komet, streamable tight end, not dropping, you know, similar kind of similar category. I'm not dropping someone for Komet. I'm not dropping a valuable piece to add him to my bench, but he's a streamable tight end. He is in that same category. Gerald Everett North. 
There you go. There you go. Absolutely. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's bring it home. We got the Dallas Cowboys playing the New York Giants. Some good old NFC East football. Dallas favored by three and a half on the road. Man, I will be interested to see how that line turns out. Over under 46 and a half. Uh, Stat of the game provided by Nick. Cowboys lead the series 73-47 and two. Don't really call it much of a rivalry when the other team only wins about half as many games. And they started out 5-1-2. and two. So the Cowboys have been on a tear of the Giants for uh, quite a long time now. So that's a good about stat. I like years. that one. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Let's get over here to the Dallas side. We got Dak Prescott. Uh, I think Nick actually said it in this episode. If you drafted Dak to be your starter, he's probably your starter this week. Not really much else to say there. Tony Pollard is in your lineup. I would be interested to see who runs behind him as the two, just based on their offense last year. You would think a secondary running back just gets enough workload to maybe become fantasy relevant. So keep an eye out for that. C.B. Lamb, you're firing him up without a doubt. And Brandon Cooks, I actually feel relatively good about. I mean, he's a slightly scary wide receiver, two to flex option, just based on the you know Giants having relatively solid defense, but – um, and it's, you know, like I kind of said a couple times in the first episode, it's a new spot, new quarterback, new offensive scheme. So you never know how much you're going to get targeted in that kind of situation, but cooks has been a veteran player. He's a good wide receiver. I imagine he is going to get some run here. How do you feel about Brandon cooks going into this week? I feel fine about him. Uh, I think you kind of know what to expect here, but someone that necessarily doesn't necessarily offer you a super high ceiling. Um, I'm going to throw a couple names at you and see where you feel uh, about cooks, Brandon cooks or Drake London. Ooh, I'm going Brandon Cooks for sure. Brandon Cooks or Christian Kirk? Uh, very, very close. I think Kirk in that offense just provides me a little bit more upside, especially with uh, Ridley getting worked in as we start the season. So I would go – I'd go Christian Kirk in that matchup. How about the Tampa Bay guys, Godwin and Evans? Uh – I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Godwin over Cooks in just about any situation. And then if it, you know, if, if I played Sky more in Week One and I'm already down bad against the people that I'm playing, I'm probably going Mike Evans and just hoping he gets a bomb touchdown that puts my team over the top. If I had a guy like David Montgomery who got a little over his projection, I feel maybe a little better about my team. I'd probably go Brandon Cooks and just take the safer play. Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm right there with you. I think he's a solid option. Not spectacular, but uh, just kind of know where you're at with your roster construction. Absolutely. And then tight end Jake Ferguson, not playing him this week, but he was my beat the wire pick. So if you're listening Keep to this on Friday or Saturday and you have an empty spot or an extra spot, you can slot someone into go grab yourself Jake Ferguson. If he's not good or doesn't look good, you can easily drop him for whoever you want to pick up. If he looks good, he's going to cost you quite a bit of fab next week if you don't pick him up now. All right, so let's wrap this bad boy up with the New York Giants. We got quarterback Daniel Jones. He's not my favorite quarterback out there, but he is streamer level due to his running upside. And Waller gives me a little bit more confidence in the passing game as well. So um, I think, I don't, I guess some people probably drafted Daniel Jones to be their starter. Same category. If you drafted him to be your starter, you're not going to pivot off of him. But um, I'm not. I'm not going to get on this podcast and say I have a bunch of confidence at, uh, for Daniel Jones against the Cowboys defense this week. Yeah, I, that's what I, I think I'm on the – he's on the very lower end of the streamers we've talked about just because this is a really tough matchup. He did not play very well in either one of the games against the Cowboys last year. I think this pass rush is really going to be able to get after him, might limit his upside as a rusher. Uh, I would take Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott to a – 
all those streamer guys that we've talked about that are kind of in that mid-range above Daniel Jones. But, uh, yeah, he's your starter. I think you go ahead and play him. Uh, Derek Carr, I'll take over Jones as well. But, uh, yeah, I would agree Ooh, with you. That's not, dropping, not dropping a bench piece that I really like to play Carr over Jones. But if you have someone that is expendable, go ahead and uh, throw Carr in there over him. Yep, absolutely. And then I'm just going to throw Saquon Barkley and Darren Waller together real quick. They are must starts for you, especially yep. where you drafted them. And then the wide receivers, I looked up their depth chart and I could have listed five or six names here of guys you should watch out for. But let's be honest, they're probably all going to be super inconsistent and you're never really going to know who to play. Best chance for the a wide receiver for the Giants to become relevant is Jalen Hyatt just separates himself as the best option by far. Or there's enough injuries that need comes into play, like a Darius Slayton last year or something like that. So not not recommending any of them. And unless there's injuries or one completely separates, I would not be looking to add any Giants as it as it pertains to uh, right now. But any, any any Giants wide receiver you want to throw your name onto, Nick? You want to attach your De- name to any of them? The very, very definition of wait and see here. I think Isaiah Hodgins is my favorite, but uh, none of them I offer extremely high upside. So I think you're going to have to play the fab game if you really want a piece of this Giants passing attack. I'm not willing to, uh, like I said, attach my name to one of these guys. Absolutely. All right. Week one preview in the books. Like, comment, subscribe. If you haven't checked out part one, because this one probably was the first one on the feed, make sure you go check out part one as well. Best bets will be up tomorrow, so be on the lookout for those. Peace out, everybody. Okay. I just stopped the recording. I'll just put the the audio in on the back end. It wasn't loading. Do you think we could do best bets at some point tomorrow? I really have to, I got to wake up like super early tomorrow to get to an appointment that I have and it's kind of run a little bit longer, but uh, I could do best bets whenever you need me to do it. uh, Yeah. After like four o'clock. So yeah, it'll be like a 15 minute quick thing to knock out. So any, anytime you're ready to roll, just shoot me a text and we'll knock it out. Okay. Sounds good. Yep. Peace out. Peace out. Go drown your Broncos.